Welcome back to Therapist in Motion podcast series. Today's topic is, is your muscle going la 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 or... Welcome to Therapist in Motion podcast brought to you by Spooner Physical Therapy. No, we have not been drinking. It's only 11 o'clock in the morning here. Um... But we are, again, excited to podcast with Gary Gray. Um, This is our second one with him this morning. So kind of like we did in our intro, you know, Gary, what's more effective when a muscle sings or when it screams? Well, first of all, your uh, singing and screaming was quite good. Uh, So uh, the la, 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 la was kind of nice and the screaming was kind of nice. And I think uh, you can listen to both of those and you can say, if I was a muscle, what would I rather do? Uh, or if I was part of the body and I heard the muscle do something, what would I rather have the muscle do? Would I have it like a nice harmony, a nice little concert, nice little uh, hip hop, a little bit of country, a little smoother? I'd want that muscle screaming all the time. And of course, this emanates from a uh, quote that I had years ago that just flippantly came off my tongue when I was uh, uh, very privileged to do a seminar uh, with a group of uh, therapists. Most of us were therapists that uh, we're trying to study and understand the function of the shoulder. And I was privileged to be asked to come in and talk about what I consider the chain reaction biomechanics of human movement as it relates to throwing a baseball. A lot of their clients were professional baseball pitchers and they had uh, shoulder dysfunction. And the whole idea for that symposium was over three or four days, we're going to give you this information. And if you take this information back, you're going to do a better job at rehabbing your shoulders and maybe preventing the bad thing from happening. So uh, creating some strength and stability in the shoulder so they don't have a problem. And uh, I was very fortunate to be able to start the seminar by laying the foundation, which it should have been movement. What If we're talking about a throwing shoulder, let's talk about what throwing is. Uh, if I'm a big left-hander, what's my left subtalar joint doing? What's my hip doing on the left side? What's my hip doing on the right side? How's my core loading to throw that ball? And when I throw a ball, what does the shoulder do? What do the hips do? What do the calf muscles do? In other words, how does everybody get along so somebody can effectively get out there and throw 95-mile-an-hour fastballs and not tear up their shoulder? And we quickly realized that it's a combination of friends that do it, that everybody contributes, the ground reaction force, gravity, and mass momentum. Every segment of the body, if properly loaded and explodes, I can I can literally hurl this thing 95 miles an hour, and very little stress is on my shoulder. However, if part of the chain breaks down, we realize that the shoulder ultimately will take the hit. And the whole message during that biomechanical talk was we can't just look at the shoulder. Like we can't look at any part of the body for any human being for any problem. But this is a really easy way to look because when you see somebody throw, you see all kinds of cool things happening. And by the way, the shoulder's moving a little bit. Uh, And so... It was a fun talk because the interaction of the crowd and everybody kind of got it. And we quickly realized that, you know, the body is a chain. It's three-dimensional. Everything contributes. Uh, If we can get everybody to synergize and everybody to what we might say right now, sing along and contribute. We'd have a (laughs) chorus of people singing and we'd be singing the song. And I'm going to throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball by you. As opposed to part of the body screaming, going, boy, I hope this ball goes fast. And so... Everything was going quite good uh, for the first hour, and then they had me sit down, and and it was interesting. This particular group wanted me to leave early for some reason, but I got to hang out for a little bit. 
The next speaker was a very, very brilliant person. He was a biomechanist. Uh, and he had beautiful slides, and uh, he actually has a, a suit that I was jealous of because I wore jeans and kind of a T-shirt. And uh, But his whole goal was to share with everybody what this particular group of therapists did in order to what I would call tweak the traditional rotator cuff exercise exercises. So let's give you an example. Uh, you lay on your side, and if I'm a lefty, so I'm going to talk about my left external rotators of my shoulder, I lay on my right side, and I take a three-pound dumbbell and I externally rotate it and obviously the external rotators concentrically perform that task and what he was smart enough to do is he put electrodes in there uh, that picked up the EMG activity of those particular muscles and he showed us a graft and okay great that's pretty cool and so I'm thinking this is this is fun he said but if you happen to put like a little little uh towel underneath your elbow and you change that angle a little bit and if you kind of simulate it yourself you realize it's going to be a little harder that angle of pulling that external rotation is almost feels like i'm struggling at it and you do struggle at it so now that three pounds as i do it it's harder to do and lo and behold that emg activity gets much higher so it's a higher curve and he was smart enough to make it a prettier color too so that curve had a pretty color the original curve of the external rotator cuff exercise without the bolster under the elbow was a kind of a bland color and so he said, and you are fortunate people to be here because you are going to learn the newest rotator cuff exercises based on the latest tweaks that we have here. And so they did that, obviously, with the internal rotators. They did that with the retractors, protractors, the elevators. The Just go through all your traditional rotator cuff exercise that we learn in school that, again, didn't make sense to us then and still, strangely enough, never made sense to our patients. But imagine sitting there going, wow, this is great. Uh, and so the whole idea was, here are the new ways to do it. Uh, for instance, when you get on your belly and you do the elevation where you empty the can of pop, they used to call it the Coke exercise, and of course Pepsi got pissed. But, you know, <laughs> where, you, where you turn the bottle over you know, and do that, well, what they did is they put now a bolster under that same side. So imagine being elevated there, now trying to elevate the arm. You could actually feel the elevator muscles really have to struggle hard, and the EMG activity went up. And their hypothesis, of course, was the greater the EMG activity, the more strength you're going to get, you have a more stable shoulder, and everybody's going to be happy. Um, and I'm kind of thinking, okay, I'm leaving, and they probably don't want my opinion, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and not even ask the simple question. Uh, it's interesting, when this biomechanist got done, uh, immediately, the uh, head therapist said, now you guys are fortunate because we're going to tell you how we're going to utilize each and every one of these rotator cuff exercises that's been properly tweaked in order to increase the EMG activity uh, in order to make the shoulder better. And so just get ready to write down the protocol because we'll tell you after this surgery when you do this, when you do that, and when you do that. So let me interject a little bit. So those are exercises that I've done before because I have instability in my shoulder and I have it from softball. And I know whenever I do external rotation with the TheraBand standing, it does make it feel better, but it burns a lot. Um, I know it, in my mind, it's not like throwing, but can you reconcile that? And for me, um, why does it feel better to do, or why does it feel like it's burning to do that exercise? And how would that help me if I'm throwing? Very good. So yes, we can get there. We'll, we'll get there. In fact, the, the, one of the people in the conference was going through the same dilemma you're going through right now um, because they heard, we, they heard me talk about throwing. 
And then they saw these rotator cuff exercises that don't look like throwing. And then they saw the tweak to the rotator cuff exercises that look less like throwing. And they realized that if they would do that, they would feel a burn. Now, we have to first of all ask ourselves, is burn good or bad? You know, just because we feel a burn, does that mean, oh, that's the greatest exercise in the world for that type of thing? So that's uh, something we have to put on the shelf right now. Is burn good or burn bad? And the answer is depends. So the gentleman literally asked the question to the head therapist. Um, I just heard Gary Gray talk about chain reaction biomechanics of throwing, and I just saw rotator cuff exercise, and I just saw rotator cuff exercises with variability or tweaked. And what I would like to know is what Gary Gray thinks about those new exercises that you're going to present to us, those, no, those, those new six rotator cuff exercises for your protocol. And the guy was very nice, very kind, and he goes, well, no. Yeah, we're not going to let Gary give his opinion because that's not his job. Our job is to share with you when to institute these particular exercises. The guy was not quite, didn't like the answer. He was very, very kind. He says, yeah, I understand. You know, I know what we're doing the next. I've seen the outline here. But I'm having problem like you just were, reconciling the difference between what the shoulder and the rest of the body does throwing versus what we're having the person do to theoretically make their shoulder better to throw kind of. It would be a little bit about the dilemma of the podcast we had before. The patient would go, wait a minute, like you said, I want to throw, but you go, but do you feel the burn? You know, obviously, if you feel the burn, it's good for you. So the person said, well, I understand that, but I'd really like Gary's opinion. Uh, and the person, again, was quite nice. Uh, but then he said something that, uh, as, as I try to not do, have my feelings get hurt. He goes, well, Gary knows a lot about biomechanics. He knows chain reaction. He teaches that. He knows, you know, the biomechanics of throwing. But he's not the expert in rehab. And he's certainly not the expert in tweaking these exercises to make them better. We did and our biomechanist did. And I'm thinking, well, time out, time out, time out. When I go back to Adrian, I have to be pretty good at rehab. So, yeah, maybe I'm not an expert in rehab, but I don't think it's fair to say because I know how the body really works and the biomechanics that I'm not very good at rehab. So that that bothered me, Pinch, but I kept my mouth shut. And the guy finally said, after he said no again, I really want Gary to share just for a couple minutes his opinion. I just want his reaction to what, what, what was just said. And uh, the then he said no one more time. And then the guy stood up, looked at the three or 400 people in the room and says, don't you want to know what Gary thinks? And so, of course, we had a mob scene. And so the guy had no choice than to invite me up front and basically say, you have three minutes. And plus, he knew I was being asked to believe anyway. And as I was going up, this is before the phrase political correctness. So understand that. So as I went up to the front uh, with my feelings still a little bit hurt. OK, so obviously the little ego comes busting out of that bottom lip. Uh, I looked at the gentleman. I said, can you ask the question again? And, and then maybe I can answer it. And he goes, yes. He says, I heard you talk. And I'm sensing that you might have a different approach, and but I don't know. And what I'd like to know is, you know, how would you, in your practice, for a thrower, implement those new exercises we're going to be taught for the next two days? I said, that's a, that's a very kind way to ask it. I believe the exercises, the traditional rotator cuff exercises, and now especially these particular exercises, are severely contraindicated for anybody in Adrian, Michigan for throwing, and they would never be implemented on any of my patients for any reason whatsoever. Do you have another question? And obviously, you know, obviously I, quite, I wanted to hear another question because I didn't want the, the dead silence because here's what I think I said. 
I believe you're going to waste the next two and a half days with these people here if they tell you to use that exercise for anything. I think that's pretty much what I said. Now, again, uh, I knew what the initial you know, the reaction would be. So I tried to go, okay, now if I was here, I would be somewhat upset about what Gary Gray just said. Because I've seen the outline and you're going to spend the whole next two and a half days telling me at week three, you're magically going to know that you're going to do that external rotator exercise after a, you know, an anterior repair type thing. And I said, and I think I just said I wouldn't use it. And here's what you're saying. We have the research and you don't. Okay. Yes, you do. In fact, your research proves me right. And I said, because here's what you got to know. When you look at human movement, if I looked at a pitcher who doesn't have shoulder problems, their shoulder muscles are barely working because the muscles of their hip, the muscles of their core, the muscles of everything are doing most of the work. And the arm is coming along as a very passive whip. And there's very little what we would call EMG activity in the shoulder to get that to happen. Now you're telling me I have to tweak an exercise that's abnormal to begin with. It even feels hard. It even causes impingement in order to make it harder for the muscle to work and for the EMG activity to get greater. And that's when I came up with the thing. Here's the million dollar question on any research that based on EMG. Is the muscle singing or is the muscle screaming? I contend in every one of those six exercises that muscle is saying, get me the heck out of here. What are you trying to do? I'm at such a mechanical disadvantage. Of course I'm screaming. Of course I'm higher activity. But this is counterintuitive to what I do with the body to be thrown. And so therefore I would never use it. I have a whole different approach where we integrate the entire body for all those particular motions. Then knowing that I was going to be thrown out, I said, <laughs> I, I said, uh, but before you let me go, we have a panel up here, plus that disagrees with me. Hopefully they disagree with me, or we all should leave, and the seminar is over. Uh, but I would like them to disagree with me now and give me an opportunity to respond. Tell me what I just said that you, wouldn't, that you could actually argue. Dead silence. I said, no, come on. You can't wait for me to leave to call me a jerk. Okay, okay call me a jerk you. to my, great, go ahead. Something. So I've worked with a therapist before that said, you know, I understand the whole functional functionality of the rotator cuff. I understand that it doesn't actually externally rotate, you know, um, the way that we do it in traditional exercises. Right. But I like to do that with my patients because I like them to feel that and proprioceptively feel that area before I take them into their functional exercises. What sure. would you say to them? I would say a uh, great idea, bad strategy. Uh, in other words, I like the idea that you want the patient to feel something. Mm -hmm. I want them to feel something naturally. So if I was going to do an external rotation exercise, as you know, we'd get up and we would load into internal rotation. Mm -hmm. And as the trunk would lead the external rotation and they would, if I put enough resistance on them, they will not only feel the synergy of the shoulder that you mm -hmm. want to accomplish, but they're going to feel the synergy of the whole body. And they're going to say, wait a minute, this is exactly how I feel when I throw a Frisbee. Mm -hmm. Exactly correct. Well, that's the smile I want. And so I love the idea that you want to give them some proprioceptive feedback. Mm -hmm. We would say give them proper proprioceptive feedback. Don't give them artificial in order that they're happy. Mm -hmm. Don't go to the left side of the functional spectrum and do non-functional mm -hmm. in order to accomplish something that you can do functional. So I would say your heart's in the right spot with that, but your strategy is biomechanically poor. And therefore, we have a better suggestion for you to accomplish getting them to feel what they want to feel so they have the confidence that they're going to be able to throw the Frisbee again. Gary, I'm just curious, is there ever an instance where you think a traditional rotator cuff exercise 
straight leg raise, long arc quad, any of your very traditional therapy exercises would be beneficial for a patient. You bet. Uh, in other words, let's say I have a car mechanic and he's under the car and he's laying on his side and he's on a dolly <laughs> and he can't get the hips involved and he can't, and he's got to reach over to, you know, a, a screwdriver. He's got to reach over something and he's got to grab that thing and he's got to concentrically lift the arm up in order to actually apply that, you know, screwdriver to the screw somewhere in the bottom of the engine block. Um, yeah, because now we have a situation where this person can't utilize the entire chain and the t- chain is being stabilized by the ground like a, a plinth or a table would be. And so the transformational zone, we would say, of that particular thing would demand that, okay, we actually train them. We actually get the proprioceptors to do that. However, we would start with the whole body integrated to do exactly what was mentioned to get the body to understand. And then we would gradually tweak out body parts. And then we'd actually put them on a stable surface to tweak out the hips and the thoracic spine. And then we would have them do that to make sure that they would have that transformational zone. So, yes, we would in that particular case. But so not complete, for, but a not complete for a reverse of what I think I'd see happen in most clinics. That's Correct. pretty much what I'm hearing. Correct. Yeah. But, again, uh, you know, what's fun is it's hard to argue. You know, when you hear it said, it's like, you know, if you're, if you're sitting there on the other end of this and going, you know, that's pretty interesting. I've read a lot of studies and they based that it's good that the EMG gets better, but the body wants to be effective and efficient. If the muscle, if you're training the muscle to work that hard, that muscle is going to break down. You're actually training it to have the tendonitis. You're training it for the instability. We wouldn't do that on purpose, uh, but we forgot to ask the simple question, what is function first and then what do we do? Because if you ask function first, it'll lead you down the right track. If you go, what is traditional? Somebody out and whatever said these are the rotator cuff exercises. We had to challenge those first before we challenged the tweaks. So, you know, some of our listeners are probably saying, all right, some of the things that I've either done in my rehabilitation before I got into PT school, because that's usually what leads people to get into PT school is they got injured and they did a lot of things that left their muscles screaming. Can you give us a, a quick blurb of what it should feel like or what they should sense when it sings and then how to use duration or load or rate to help get to the point where you're going to do so much movement that it may start to scream, but it's starting to scream because you're starting to stress that tissue in a, in a functional way. Yeah, that's another beautiful question. It's really easy. Go to, uh, go to a uh, fourth grade music concert where the kids are just cute as can be. They're up there singing. Okay. And if you're out in the audience and it sounds like one song, you know, it's awesome. But if you hear the little kid in the third row who's got the little, you know, smart little grin on his face and he's singing louder than anybody else, he's a little bit off key and he's trying to bring attention to himself. Uh, that's the muscle screaming. OK, so the what what great athletes will tell you is when I ask him, what does the muscle feel like? What muscle? Uh, when anybody moves, what do you think? Nothing. What does that feel like? It feels like harmony. It feels like I'm at a fourth grade concert and the choir director did a great job letting all the kids actually know their parts of singing. And when they sang, it sounded like one beautiful song. The human body desires one beautiful movement and they want everybody to contribute. They don't want somebody's because soon as somebody starts screaming, that's when you're going to have the tendonitis. That's when you're going to have the abnormal compressive force. That's when you're going to have the stress and strain where now we have pain and we have an injury. Uh, and then, like you said, so how do you use tweak to do that? Well, if you first of all understand the movements that you want, then you logically use tweaks in order to facilitate getting everybody involved. I might have a shoulder problem, but I might put the resistance on the pelvis. 
because I don't believe the pelvis is actually loading or exploding the way I want. And I want that part of the bass section to be just a little louder so when this song is heard by the patient, in other words, when the EMG activity, all the muscles are there, that the butt's contributing just a little more than the external rotator. So I can use those strategies, those techniques, in order to make sure that I'm one of the parents that has a big smile on my face and said, you know what, this is really cool to have all our kids come together and sing together and just really encourage us because uh, the song is of one, of, of one and movement should be of one as well. Well, I think that that's uh, pretty powerful for our listeners, that when they start to go back and evaluate movement, like we first discussed in our first podcast, and then start to determine if that musculature is singing or screaming, I think what they're going to see is they're going to see a, a, a huge change in their effectiveness of the care that they deliver. And that patient will not only walk out with a smile, but walk back in with a smile at their next session. And that's where then you're going to get to that mind-body-spirit connection of that individual. Um, Gary, I want to thank you for taking the time to podcast with us these, this last hour or so, as well as for spending the day with Spooner Physical Therapy yesterday. Um, I think we heard nothing but positive feedback from our staff, and we got some people who might have been on the fence to actually say, you know what, this is pretty legit. Uh, I think a lot of that comes from your passion and your inspiration to all of us. Um, so thank you for, for taking the time to come down here. It might not have been the hardest decision to leave Michigan at this time of year. Um, but, you know, also we want to say thanks to Tim for his continued commitment to helping us as a company get better, as well as helping the profession get better through supporting our podcast and being able to have fun, lively discussions on a variety of topics. Um, so thank you both. We appreciate it. Um, Honors all mine. Thank you. So again, listeners, if you guys have any feedback and or responses and or additional questions, um, we do have the luxury of being able to podcast again with Gary. Um, so please reach out to us at therapistinmotion at spoonerpt.com.